What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, and here is your top five at five. Tech in control as the group shocks the bears this year. Some stocks soaring. Investor attention now turning to earnings. In technology, Google defending its biggest ever round of layoffs at an all-hands meeting last night. What some employees had to say about it ahead. Some bad blood expected on Capitol Hill when lawmakers target the heads of Live Nation and Ticketmaster over last year's Taylor Swift ticket fiasco. Elon Musk on the stand defending his now infamous funding secured tweet while he says the $420 take private price was no joke. Later on, a candy-covered controversy concludes as Eminem pulls the plug on its cast of spokes candies, possibly for good. It is Tuesday, January 24th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday morning. Let's kick right in, right, with a check on stock futures. They are, again, like yesterday, really not giving us a lot of indication of the way things are going to go. But yesterday turned out very differently. Right now, we're seeing Dow futures down one-tenth of one percent off 34 points. NASDAQ down 21. But again, it's very early. I know we got to show the futures. Wouldn't put a lot of credence into them at this hour either way. This coming after a big day for the NASDAQ and technology. Once again, futures weren't moving a whole lot, but then stocks took off and the NASDAQ surging more than 2%, having its best day since all the way back in November, one of its best days in a long time. Names like Tesla, Apple, NVIDIA, and AMD leading yesterday's gains. By the way, speaking of AMD, a more than 9% jump, that's its best day also since November And people were active. Its trading volume popped nearly 80% above its 30-day moving average of 52 million shares. Kind of shows you some of the renewed investor interest back in some of these beaten-up technology names. Meantime, in the bond world, Treasury yields, they're holding steady right at 3.5%. Keep in mind, the Federal Reserve kicks off its two-day policy meeting one week from today on January 31st. Have you been watching oil lately? It is continuing to creep higher. It is back closing in on $82 per barrel, which, sorry to say, that gasoline prices are also likely to begin rising again around America. Keep an eye on that. Price of crude oil at $81.24. Also, crypto, Bitcoin, not only still above $22,000, but in fact ticking back toward $23,000. We talked about it yesterday. Bitcoin was under $16K. During all the FTX breaking news back in October and November, now it is back toward 23,000. The crypto bulls, they shall not be denied. All right, now let's put the worldwide and worldwide exchange. Much of Asia, Korea, China still closed for the Lunar New Year celebrations. 
Japan stocks, by the way, did trade and rose by more than 1%. But Europe, it is fully open for business. So let's head out to Arabili Gumede in our London newsroom with the movers and some of the headlines. Arabili. Yeah, Brian, good morning then. So it certainly has been a day of heavy movement. A lot more on the economic front than on the stock front, really, although we are getting a lot of data coming out then. As I noted, the economic news has been quite heavy flash. PMI numbers having come out, particularly out of the Eurozone. French, German and UK numbers have also already come out. You are seeing a general return to growth somewhat. But those numbers still remain uh, in uh, re- uh, contractionary territory, right? Unfortunately, some of those really not necessarily helping the growth picture uh, by too much, not, not blowing the lights out in any particular way. The services PMI in the UK at 48 compared to a 49.9. So actually a drop off on that front. Also a drop off of the composite number, 47.8 compared to 49 in the month of December. That's just the UK. In the French uh, economy as well, then uh, the composite number going to 49 from 49.1, so a slight fall off on that front too. But you are seeing a slightly better uh, picture when it comes to the manufacturing, when it comes to France. In Germany, a similar picture then. You're seeing the composite number at 49.7 for the month of Jan, up from the 49 in December. So a slight improvement uh, out on that front. So Overall, the market, though, is moving in general weakness. Then only the CAC 40 out in France has been moving a little bit higher out in the UK. We are seeing uh, the deficit numbers there uh, and for the, the deficit then climbing to record numbers as well there. So that weakness also playing its part in this as well as the currency. Overall, though, weakness across the European market. Very quickly, some other news uh, making headlines as well. The Qatar Investment Authority raising its stake then in Credit Suisse uh, and is just to just under 7% then uh, making the sovereign wealth fund the bank's second largest shareholder. That's after the Saudi National Bank. Now, the move does mean that the Middle Eastern uh, investors have now taken control of more than 20% of Credit Suisse's uh, Suisse stock. As long-time U.S. investors, including Harris associates reduce their stakes in the embattled Swiss lender. On the other side then, Logitech sales slumped by more than a fifth in the third quarter, confirming preliminary numbers as demand eased from the heights of lockdown. Supply chain issues have also hit the Swiss American maker of mice keyboards as well as keyboards. Brian. All right, Arabili, thank you very much. All right, let's get now to your top story, and that is in technology and Google's parent company, Alphabet, at an all-hands meeting, company executives defending their decision to cut 6% of the workforce, adding now that bonuses for some also may be on the line. Arjun Karpal joining us now with the highlights from that call, which apparently uh, was pretty heated at times. Arjun. Indeed, Brian. Good morning to you. Well, there was a lot of discontent going into this town hall. Social media was flooded by people uh, from Google saying they'd been cut off from the corporate uh, access to the systems. uh, And they were questioning the criteria for layoffs as well as the manner in which it was done. And some of these were addressed in the town hall. Sundar Pichai first saying that uh, the company hired heavily across 2021, seeing the boom in some of these trends. They hired to keep a pace with those trends. But when there was some of that normalization that we've seen take 
taking place in areas like cloud and others, uh, it had to adjust. And so that was the reason uh, for some of these reductions. The management also said there are 30,000 managers at Google and having to consult them all around these job cuts would have taken a long time. And therefore, that's why they only kept a small number of senior management in the loop around these job cuts. Uh, the management also saying that cuts came from areas where work was necessary, but there were too many people whose work wasn't critical. So very much here <clears throat> about trimming the fat around some of these areas for Google. Uh, they said that skill set and productivity metrics were taken into account when they decided whose jobs were going uh, to be axed. And finally, addressing uh, many of these employees who said they were uh, shut off from the corporate uh, system, uh, management said this was really around preventing security risks here. So <clears throat> the key now for Google will be uh, keeping up morale at the company, but also trying to reinvigorate growth at this point, Brian, against a very difficult macroeconomic backdrop, particularly in areas where Google's working in around advertising as well as cloud spending as well. Yeah, I mean, truly remarkable, Arjun, uh, the way that they're handling this as well. How do you guys read this? When you look at sort of all the things that we have seen, all the layoffs that we have seen, I know you've been in China, you've been in Europe, you've got a really unique global perspective. Is there some kind of macro takeaway that our U.S. and global audiences should have here? Yeah, well, we see these tech cycles played out, Brian. I'm glad you mentioned China there because one of the things we've seen over the past two, two and a half years in China is a tougher macro environment due to zero COVID policy, but also the strict regulation in China, which has really hampered the growth of a lot of the tech giants there. And what we saw was rounds of layoffs taking place in China, those businesses having to readjust to a new reality, investing in areas, continuing to invest in areas they still think for growth, but being a lot more disciplined on costs. And I think we're seeing something similar playing out here with the U.S. tech giants. Uh, analysts expecting the Chinese tech sector to return to growth over the coming quarters after having made those uh, adjustments, but also against uh, the fact that China is reopening. But for, for the U.S. tech giants here, it's important to put into context. Look, Microsoft's 10,000 jobs was just under 5% of the workforce. Yes, there's a large number of jobs, but clearly this for Microsoft is about trimming the fat and getting Getting uh, costs under control for Alphabet, a very similar narrative at play here. It's about cost discipline and trying to improve profitability. That uh, investment in open AI for Microsoft is a, is a key example here. These businesses are not retreating from investments they see as key, but I think what they are doing is just readjusting, pivoting to some extent, being a little bit more disciplined against what is a tougher macro environment in the hopes, of course, of reinvigorating growth over the coming quarters, Brian. Yeah, bad headlines for the workers, although the stocks have popped. Tough combo there. Arjun Karpal, thank you very much. All right, let's now get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines, including yet more news on Google. Silvana Hanau is here with that and more. Silvana. Brian, good morning. Yeah, it doesn't end there with Google. So the U.S. the U.S. Justice Department is preparing to sue Google parent company Alphabet by the end of the week. This, according to Bloomberg, which says the lawsuit will target Google's dominance in the online ad market. The pending filing follows reports that the Justice Department rejected concessions offered by Google last summer. This legal action would mark the fifth major case in the U.S. challenging Alphabet's business practices. The Senate Judiciary Committee is set to hold a hearing over Live Nation's recent mishandling of Taylor Swift tour ticket sales on its Ticketmaster platform. The hearing comes after fans experience hours-long wait times, prices as high as $22,000 per ticket, and glitches that prevented people from even securing tickets. 
Live Nation's president is expected to testify that Ticketmaster was hit by a cyber attack that led to those issues. <clears throat> Excuse me. And crypto exchange Gemini is laying off 10 percent of its workforce in its latest round of job cuts. The firm previously cut its headcount by 10 percent in June and 7 percent in July. The company joins the long list of crypto firms announcing or deepening staff cuts in the months following the collapse of FTX, Brian. Savannah, we'll see you in a few minutes on another round of headlines. Thank you very much. You got it. All right, folks, we are just getting started on this busy Tuesday. And when we come back, we're going to break down some stock market myths with Kevin Simpson. He is up next. Plus, could it be a case of buy the rumor, sell the news? How the recent run-up in global luxury stocks may be too much too soon. And then Musk takes the stand while he says his $420 funding secured tweet around Tesla was no joke. Very busy hour. Still ahead right after this very short break. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. All right, welcome, but welcome back, everybody. Investors are waiting a new batch of economic data and earnings all ahead of next week's Federal Reserve meeting. And any sign that the Federal Reserve is set to finally ease off that inflation accelerator when it comes to interest rates. Let's talk more about this and the market and maybe dispel some myths with Kevin Simpson, founder and CIO of Capital Wealth Planning. Always enjoy your insight, Kevin. Listen, uh, you sent a note like, I don't know where the, you know, if we're going to have recession we don't know where earnings are going to come in. We don't know how long inflation will stay hot. But you do know that specific investment strategies over time prove to make money. And dividends are a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. I mean, the theme of 2022 was dividends, dividend growth, and, and it really uh, saved our bacon and, and lots of investors over time. But what I found most interesting was a statistic I saw last week. I think Bob Pisani put it up, and it talked about the S&P 500 over almost the past 100 years, going back to 1926. And what it showed is that if you invest in the S&P, you get about a 10% return every year. And that's why we do it, Brian. If you can get a double-digit return, sometimes it might be up 30%, sometimes it might be down 30%. But on average, a 10% number is pretty good. It's pretty darn good. But look at that statistic, 39%, almost 40% of the total return comes from dividends and distributions reinvested. And I think that's wow. what investors need to focus on on 2023. Yeah, it's powerful. Are, are, are you surprised by the strong start to the year, Kevin? 
Well, I, I'm shocked um, because I don't think anything's changed here in 2023 from, from what we saw last year. Uh, I think the markets are completely ahead of their skis and it's great and I hope I'm wrong. But from a, from a valuation perspective, what can make stocks go higher? Well, earnings could go up a lot and that would be great, but I, I'm not convinced that's going to be the case. Multiples could expand, but when you have rising interest rates, you know, typically the opposite happens. So from, from my perspective, from my lens, I think we're, we're drinking some Kool-Aid here at the outset that, that maybe we should begin tempering yeah. our expectations a little. I, I'm going to say something that, that probably just will throw a giant bucket of cold water on like the next two weeks of CNBC's coverage. So I apologize to all my beloved <clears> colleagues. <throat> but I wonder, if, I wonder if earnings are going to matter that much. And the only reason I say that, and I know that's, you know, whatever, is because the market's run up is so big after doing this 25 years, I can only get the feeling that people are buying ahead of what they probably view as less awful earnings and guidance. And if we get those numbers, which are going to be indeed maybe a little better than expected or less awful, I wonder again if the gains have been made because we're making 6 and 7% moves in two and a half to the first three weeks of the year, Kevin. I mean, that, that's an annual gain in many years. I mean, it's great if you're a trader, right, Brian? But I, I tend to look over a longer lens, and I have to agree with you completely. You can set the earnings bar as low as you want, and it's not going to allow this market to continue on that trajectory. The good news is that, you know, I think markets have some, uh, they're paying some attention to earnings and economic data. You know, wage growth is down. CPI was really good. Service PMI came down. We've got core PCE this week. And to your point, earnings across the board. But, but from a valuation standpoint, I mean, you and I are just in sync on this. We've come too far, too fast. And if the market ends here at these levels at the, at the end of 2023, I mean, to me, that's a win. So uh, I, I would continue to be a little bit more defensive and, and absolutely um, take, take this rally with a little bit of a grain of salt and, and a fair amount of skepticism. Yeah, listen, no, you know, neither you nor I are technical analysis traders, though you probably look at it, 4050, probably a pretty important point in the S&P. We're in this sort of declining wedge pattern. That's where we've often seen this resistance there. But let's, let's be optimistic, right? It's 5, whatever it is in the morning on a Tuesday in freezing cold January in New York. Kevin, if we're able to bust through, would you say, okay, you know what? Good. Stocks are up. Maybe maybe this year will be better than people think, because, again, all due respect to our friends who come on the air, almost every strategist was spectacularly wrong last year. And now they're all kind of negative. They could be wrong again. Yeah, it's the herd mentality that scares me. I don't like to be part of the crowd, but it seems like this week and last week we've been hearing more optimism. You know, a month ago it was the first part of the year is going to be horrible. The second part of the year is going to be better. And now since markets have reacted in a, in a strong open out of the gate here, you hear more and more people talking about, well, maybe the beginning of the year is going to be really strong. Uh, I'm going to stick with convic conviction and mathematics and say that, uh, you know, markets trade on price. And, and I don't think that um, we're, we're going to be able to extend yeah. this rally I I into the end of 2023. I just don't see it. And like you said, I hope I'm wrong. Be, yeah. be great if I was. Some smart guy said something about short-term, it's an adding machine. Long-term, it's a weighing machine, of course, I'm quoting Warren Buffett. Bottom line is this. Wrap it up, Kevin. Longer term, 3, 5, 10, 20 years out. Stay invested. Look for cash flow. Look for dividends. Correct? I mean, that's it. Long-term. Dividends and distributions to shareholders. That's how you make money on Wall Street. Yeah. Own a stock. 
get paid for owning it over time, history will do the job. Kevin Simpson, Capital Wealth, great advice. And what's been, hey, a pretty good start to the year. All right, still on deck. A candy-covered controversy. Some Splash Mountain water getting a pretty penny in the auction block. And that amazing and, let's be honest, kind of creepy. Chat GPT artificial intelligence making history once again. It is your top trending stories, and it is next. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Philip Mena. Here are your headlines. Tragedy upon tragedy gripping California after another mass shooting, this time in Half Moon Bay. Officials say 67-year-old Chun Li Zhao opened fire, killing seven people and critically injuring another. This happened at two plant nurseries south of San Francisco, about a mile away from each other. Some workers lived on the premises with their children who witnessed the carnage. Authorities believe Zhao was a worker at one of those farm businesses. He was arrested two hours after the shootings. The sheriff says Zhao has been cooperating with police. The victims have not yet been identified. The FBI is working with local authorities to continue this investigation. Another round of convictions in the wake of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Richard Barnett, the man photographed here with his feet on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's desk, was found guilty of obstructing an official proceeding and other charges. Separately, four more members of the far-right group, the Oath Keepers, were found guilty of seditious conspiracy. They face up to 20 years in prison. The 2023 Baseball Hall of Fame class will be announced later today. Names including Scott Rowland, Alex Rodriguez, and Jeff Kent will need to appear on 75% of ballots in order to be inducted. Brian, that's it from here. I'll send it back to you. Tough headlines there this morning. Philip Benham, thank you very much. All right, let's get now back to business and more on the impact of China's reopening. It is providing a boom for a number of stocks, especially some high-profile luxury names, because after nearly three full years of lockdowns and travel bans, wealthy Chinese consumers are finally able to get out of China once again, and they are getting out, and they are spending. Robert Frank joining us now with a look at some of the stocks, seeing the biggest bumps from that reopening, and they they are getting out and they're opening their wallets, Robert. That's right, Brian, looking for revenge spending here in a big way. It is being called the Big Bang Theory for luxury stocks. China's reopening driving shares of luxury giants up double digits just this month. LVMH up 16 percent. Its market cap now over $400 billion. It's the largest company in Europe. It's bigger than Walmart or any other U.S. retailer. Caring, Richemont, Hermes, Burberry, also all of them up 13% or more just this month. Bernstein luxury analyst Lucas Solka calling it the Big Bang, where China's reopening sparks more luxury spending in China and a potential boom in Europe as wealthy Chinese consumers head to Paris and Milan, where luxury goods are up to 30% cheaper. Burberry citing very promising signs in China in January in its earnings. Richemont also seeing signs of, quote, 
a strong retail rebound. Bernstein projecting luxury demand in China could surge 25 to 35 percent this year, which would put a global growth for luxury this year in the mid-teens. Bain and company putting it at a more modest 6 to 8 percent. The big swing here, the big question is the U.S. and Europe and whether demand in the West can hold up as those economies slow. We're going to know a lot more, Brian, when LVMH reports its earnings on Thursday, carrying an Hermes later this month. Yeah, these numbers. And is there any indicate anything to indicate, Robert, that I mean, listen, we've kind of had this this information hole with China for years, right? We just they've been Unishun's been doing these amazing reports. People have been locked down, locked in, whatever you want to call it. Do we know if that purchasing power from the Chinese consumer is still there? I mean, you wonder if we're going to see the same number of travelers come to the United States or is it going to take a long time to kind of tick back up? Because I got to imagine after what they went through, there's still going to be a lot of either hesitancy shell shock, or both? Yeah, and that is the key question. Do they have the money and the mood to spend? We saw in 2021, when they first started emerging from the first lockdown, that there was a lot of spending, especially in luxury in China. This time around, people say it may not be as strong or it may not reflect the strength we saw in the West. Number one, because the savings increases in China were not what we had in the U.S. They didn't have all the stimulus spending that they had in the U.S. and China. And also real estate there, which is the source of many families' wealth, has not performed well uh, over the past year. So some big questions there, although the early reads at the luxury shops at the stores in January show very strong lines outside Vuitton, Hermes, and the big brands. So we'll just have to see where it goes, and especially this summer, whether they truly travel to Europe and buy luxury goods there. That's it. And it might take a while to get the data and find out. But at least right now, they are able to get out, not just internally, but externally as well. It could be very good news for New York as well. Could it not, Robert? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Tiffany sales, the Tiffany headquarters, uh, which is still being renovated, relied heavily on those Chinese consumers, Bulgari, the big jewelers. So, yeah, they're, they're waiting for big sales increases there. And if the West and America can hold up, That's just going to be icing on the cake this year for luxury companies. But these stocks, again, have already run up. Yeah, a big old icing maybe for New York City and the Big Apple. Robert Frank, thank you very much. All right, excuse me, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, why Apple has been largely immune to big tech's hiring headwinds this year. We'll talk more about Apple, these markets. Dow futures down 52, oil's up a touch. We're glad you're up with us. We're back right after this. Money keeps flowing into beaten down technology stocks, but are earnings about ready to spoil the party? We're getting ready to kick off a massive week with Microsoft. Those numbers out today and could set the tone and move markets as tech stocks boom start the year. And funding secured, or so he says. Elon Musk back on the stand in the Tesla shareholder trial. Very latest all on this Tuesday, January 24th. And this is Worldwide Exchange. Oh, welcome, welcome back, everybody, and good Tuesday morning. It's just about 5.30 on the East Coast. I'm Brian Sullivan. 
Let's get right to it now and take a look at stock futures. And once again, not giving us a lot of indication about which way they may go. They are slightly lower right now. Dow futures off, I mean, 52 points. It's kind of nothing. One guy starts to come in or whatever. One trader hits a button. Futures go up. Either way, we've had a big start to the year. Investors, they might be waiting on earnings to make another move after what has been a good start to 2023. A ton of numbers out today, a ton of numbers out of the rest of the week. In fact, it is the second busiest week for corporate earnings. The busiest week, I believe, is next week. Either way, we get a flurry of numbers all for the next remaining four days this week. All right, oil. It has been moving higher lately. Oil is creeping back up toward 82 per barrel once again. Stimulus from the strategic petroleum herb sales wearing off. China demand starting to kick in. Oil right now down a little bit, but at 81.53. Brent crude at 88. Natural gas even getting a little bit of a bid. But let's talk about a different kind of energy and something that is not getting the attention it deserves. And that is solar stocks. Solar stocks have been as hot as a solar flare this year. The Invesco TAN ETF, which, of course, a bunch of the biggest solar companies, has been on fire this year. It is up 12% to kick off 2023. Still well below its highs of a couple years ago, but still a big start to the year for the TAN. And it is tied with the GDX Goldminer ETF for the best-performing non-leveraged ETF this year. What do I mean by non-leveraged? I mean, there are those, you know, 2x this, 3x that. Of course, they're going to move up and down a lot more. But for just sort of regular, if you will, non-leveraged ETFs, solar stocks and gold miners, you know what they've got in common? You both have to dig a lot of stuff out of the ground to make their product. All right. Meantime, let's get back out of technology. And that sector has been on fire. NASDAQ up another 2% yesterday. Here's a little mini RBI if you want. That's its best start to a year since 2019 when it gained 8% by this time in January. And that boded for a good year. In fact, the NASDAQ in 19 finished up 35% overall. Will we get that kind of number this year? Who knows? Let's talk more about what is driving the gains, whether they could be sustainable with Sophie Lund-Yates, Senior Equity Analyst at Hargreaves Lansdowne. Sophie, good to have you back on. Um, maybe a stronger start to the year than almost anybody else or anybody would have predicted except for the, the permanent Uber bulls out there. Do you ascribe, big word for the morning I know, do you ascribe anything to the particular strength? The only thing that changed was the calendar. Hi, good morning, Brian. You're absolutely right. It's been an incredible start to the year so far. Um, There really are three things to consider when I look at this. Um, The first thing is that investors and the market more generally is getting very excited by the prospect um, that we're going to see the, the Fed's interest rate hiking cycle start to cool down. Of course, we've seen um, some really quite um, encouraging inflation reads recently, which is feeding into that. Um, Secondly, it's really important to consider, you know, China's reopening. Um, And that has seen massive boosts to some of the biggest technology companies. You know, Apple and Tesla are among those. It's really kind of created this uplift. Um, But thirdly, not to bring it back to the negative unnecessarily, but unfortunately, we do still also need to consider that on a a long-term view, 
you know, the Nasdaq's performance is still is still pretty negative, you know, when you look at that on a, on a yearly basis. Um, so really some great momentum at the start of this year, that interest rate um, potential and China reopening, but certainly quite a way to go to, to get back to where we were. Yeah, in fact, why don't we turn now to uh, a big tech stock, Microsoft. Now, Microsoft reporting earnings after the close today. It is the first of the mega cap tech names out with their numbers. Now, Microsoft, like most of the market, Sophie, as you know, had a terrible year last year. It lost more than $700 billion in market cap, the third most of any company in the S&P 500. It got hit by cutback in consumer spending, as well as concerns around the sector overall. Uh, do you have a take on Microsoft? Yes, I do. And unfortunately, it's it's not it's not too positive. You know, we're expecting revenue growth to really slow quite significantly. You know, the current estimations are around growth of 2.4 percent, which is obviously really far behind the growth we've seen in, in recent years, recent quarters even. Um, and a big reason for that, you've touched on it there, is they're really struggling with a slowdown in personal computer um, sales and computing more generally. Um, but also the, the rate of growth in the cloud business, which has always been kind of this big beacon of hope for them, that's slowing too. Um, and that kind of double-edged um, problem is it's not just consumer sentiment that's weakening, but it's business sentiment too. You know, big technology, cloud upgrades um, are, are going to be rubbed off those shopping lists, unfortunately, while the inflation outlook is still is still so worrying. Yeah, now let's move on past Microsoft. Those numbers are out today and, and wrap things up, Sophie, with Apple. Now, we don't talk a lot about computers anymore. It used to be known as Apple Computer. Now it's just Apple. But the new MacBook Pro models go on sale today. It's about a week before their company's earnings number next week. Now, like most of the others, Apple's had a great start to the year, up about 8%. But unlike many other names, Apple has managed, so far anyway, to avoid large-scale layoffs, it hired at a slower pace during the pandemic. Again, let's dive into Apple. The computers, they're cool. I don't, are they going to move the needle? I, I, don't, I don't know. It feels like Apple, at this point, is kind of just a phone company. Yes, certainly. So with the with the new Macs, they are they are important. You know, we've seen in um, quite recent memory, it was actually Macs that picked up the slack when iPhone sales disappointed. Um, but you are correct in saying that actually, ultimately, it is still the iPhone that's the that's really the big hitter. But I think what the recent releases tell us, and what's really telling, is that they've they've developed this kind of entry-level Mac Mini, which tells me that they are trying to pivot towards a more affordable customer base or, you know, addressing a part of the market that they've, you know, they've really underserved in previous times. Um, And fundamentally, though, as you were touching on there, they've had a really strong start to the year. And this is the same thing I always, always circle back to when talking about Apple. And the fact of the matter is their brand frankly, has superpowers. Um, so we are seeing people continuing to spend despite the, the pressures on, on income. Um, but exactly what that would have looked like over the festive season, um, I'm not not too sure just yet. Early indications would suggest that it's actually going to be quite positive. People did try and splash the cash. Um, but exactly what that's going to look like in the numbers, I'm not sure. And what that will mean for the rally that they've seen in the last three weeks. Again, big question mark and uh, certainly a lot monitor. <clears throat> Although, Sophie, I'm going to make a wild assumption about where you live based on your accent. It's not France. 
And, you know, I'm going <laughs> to I wonder if given your energy bills in the UK, is anybody going to be able to afford a MacBook Pro? Can they afford their energy bills in England right now? It's certainly a time of really, really serious pressure for consumers here in, in the UK. Um, but what's been really interesting from retailers that we've heard that have released results um, for the festive season, um, people really did seem to spend more than we were anticipating. Um, the big question from now, though, is that actually it's going to be from this point onwards where people are reining in spending in a big way. And um, so actually it'll be the April quarter, I think, potentially where we're going to see even more pressure um, particularly for, for over here. Um, but yes, it's it's a time of enormous challenge, as, as you rightly point out. Yeah, kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment, but I, but I meant it because when you, when you spend all that money on heating and just making sure your family's good, you wonder what will be left over for everything else, like a MacBook Pro or food, for that matter. Sophie Lund Yates, Hargreaves Lansdowne, we appreciate your views. Sophie, thank you very much. All right, on deck, Elon Musk back on the stand after making the case his funding secured tweet was serious business. That's ahead, but as we head to break, some of your top trending stories. Sellers on eBay posting dozens of listings for water from Disney's Splash Mountain boat ride, an attraction ending its three-decade run over the weekend. Most offerings are sourced for the ride's last day and are going for more than $100 for just a few $100 for water, theoretically from a ride that's going away. All right. New research showing that the chat GPT bot was able to pass a Wharton MBA exam, scoring between a B- and a B on the test. The professor behind the research saying that the bot score shows, quote, remarkable ability for skills held by analysts, managers, and consult. Somebody pull the plug on that thing right now. And Eminem ditching its spokes candy character in favor of comedian Maya Rudolph following some backlash over their new look. Company saying the candy characters will begin an indefinite pause and that Rudolph will be the star of this year's Super Bowl Eminem's ad. We're back in a moment. Uh, welcome back. Now let's get the latest on the ongoing Tesla shareholder lawsuit over Elon Musk's 2018 claims around taking the company private. Savannah is back with that. Savannah. Hey, Brian. Well, Brian, uh, Musk was back on the stand in a San Francisco courtroom yesterday testifying that he did, in fact, have the funding to take Tesla private after floating the idea back in 2018. Musk saying that financing from Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund and his own stake in his rocket company SpaceX would have provided sufficient capital to get the deal done. He testified that he met with representatives of the sovereign wealth fund in late July 2018, a week before floating the possibility of taking Tesla private. Now, Musk says while a specific price for taking Tesla private wasn't discussed at that meeting and documents were not signed, he walked away from the sit down thinking he had secured the deal. In regards to the $420 stock price to take Tesla private, Musk denied picking that figure as a joke, but claimed it was a roughly 20 percent premium on the stock at the time. He also claimed that he was concerned news of talks around a potential deal would leak in the press and tweeted it out to him, tweeted out himself to make sure all investors would be on equal footing. Brian Musk is scheduled to continue his testimony when the trial resumes later this morning.
Funding secured. Funding secured. Lawsuit secured as well. <laughs> and lawsuit secured as well, exactly. Savannah. Exactly. That's right. Thank you. You got it. All right. Savannah, thanks. Have a great day. All right, on deck, Tiffany McGee is back, laying out two sectors she says are critical to watch during this busy week of earnings. The stocks that are high on her radar. We'll be right back. Uh, welcome back. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories that you might have missed as we close in on the 6 o'clock hour. Here we go. Amazon announcing a new prescription perk for its U.S. Prime members called RX Pass. The $5 a month add-on will give users access to a list of 50 generic medications. In the wake of the largest round of layoffs in company history, Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai announcing at an all-hands meeting that Google may also be reducing bonuses for top executives. Sticking with Google, Bloomberg reporting the Justice Department is preparing to sue its parent company, Alphabet, by the end of the week over dominance in the online ad market space. Twitter is being sued, meantime, by its landlord over claims of unpaid rent at its San Francisco headquarters. The lawsuit alleges Twitter failed to make roughly $3.4 million rent payments for December and January. And some bad blood expected on Capitol Hill today as the Senate Judiciary Committee takes aim at Live Nation and Ticketmaster over last year's Taylor Swift tour ticket fiasco. And the crypto exchange, co-founded by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, says it is reducing its headcount by 10%. This is Gemini's third round of job cuts in less than a year. All right, there's your WEX wrap-up. Let's gear you up now for the trading day ahead. Several pieces of economic data out this morning, including, I know you've been thinking, of, you, you couldn't sleep thinking about the Philadelphia Fed non-manufacturing and flash manufacturing indexes, as well as services PMI numbers. I know, it's it's just hard to sleep. The earnings parade also rolls on, by the way. You got a little company called Microsoft, GE, Johnson & Johnson, Verizon, Lockheed Martin, Union Pacific, all out with their numbers. And by the way, apparently nominations for this year's Oscars also set to be announced that at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time this morning. Let's dive into the trading day ahead and maybe get some movie recommendations with Tiffany McKee. Tiffany, don't worry. I'm kidding. I'm not going to put you on the spot with the movies. I didn't, I didn't even know they basically had We can talk about movies. movies. <laughs> Let's just give it to Top, everything to Top Gun Maverick and move on. Anyway, lo, I just read well, a lot no, of Well, no, we have to talk about Avatar. What are you... <laughs> well, that's yes, two billion bucks. Anyway, I read a lot of words. Two billion. I said yeah. PMI a lot. What are you, what are you, you watching did. the I, most closely the rest the rest of this week? <laughs> well, first of all, I did get a good night's sleep last night, which usually I don't before I'm on the show, um, but I did. So, so listen, you know, first of all, coming off of yesterday, um, like it, investors, you know, we, we all deserve a day like yesterday after a year like last year. Um, and so, you know, kind of we're really kind of focused um, on uh, earnings and, and particularly this week and not necessarily kind of getting caught up in what happened yesterday because uh, we really don't want to make tactical moves um, over just, you know, one day. Um, so in terms of earnings, you know, we've got airlines reporting this week. We've got payment companies reporting this week. And in addition to diving into the individual companies, I also like to look at 
what um, information these types of industries are giving us, right? And so we own, uh, at, at, um, in our firm, in our portfolio, we own Delta, we own Southwest, Visa, MasterCard. And these two industries gives us in, give us um, some insight into like the health of the consumer. And so, you know, Visa and MasterCard are going to show us really kind of like consumer spending habits or consumers, you know, um, uh, they're really kind of like proxies, those two big companies uh, for like the entire yeah. payment system. So they're going to kind of show us like, you know, what, what are the consumers doing? Are they paying off their debt? Are they, are they, are they buying, you know, uh, are they spending in cash? What, what, what are they doing? I got to imagine those companies are hugely important. I mean, we had Discover, smaller company, last week, say charge-offs rose, still at just 2.5%, but they did, go, they did move higher by, by about a percent or more. Visa and MasterCard have got to be maybe, if not, the best window into the consumer. They certainly have to be up there. I mean, I'm not looking at Microsoft numbers to tell me how the consumer is doing. Are you? No, I'm not. But that chat GPT no. stuff is really interesting, though. But that is like a longer-term play. It, Not creepy, to go off topic. <laughs> but interesting. Little, little, no, it's okay. It's a little bit yeah. creepy. Got to be, be on a Wharton MBA exit. We're all doomed. I may not even be real right now. I saw uh, that. What about the airlines? Tip, I was actually at Newark Airport last night. By the way, beautiful new Terminal A, 2 point whatever, 8 billion years over budget. But either way, it looked nice. A lot of people there. What are you looking for out of Delta and some of the other airlines? Yeah, so so listen, we really do like Delta. Um, and, and by the way, you know, I travel a lot for work. If you were, you know, if if you were um, trying to get into a Delta lounge last year, most likely you were standing in line, right? And so we're we're, we're looking um, at all of these airlines to, to to see, you know, if if they're if they're showing um, any like increases in leisure travel, also business travel. Um, listen, fuel prices are coming down, which should really drive margin growth. So we're going to be really paying attention to that. We're looking at cancellation. Right. So when you look at December, right around like that, that holiday season, um, you know, uh, American Airlines had the, the, uh, the lowest cancellation rates. Southwest had the highest. Um, so we're going to look, be looking at cancellation rates. We're looking at capacity. Um, and then, you know, as really we're also seeing these different um, airlines really kind of shift and move. So American has eliminated their, their, their domestic first class, right? So I don't know whether they're trying to be like uh, Southwest. Um, of course, you know, JetBlue bought Spirit, which is really like the, uh, the, the, the discount airline. But Southwest really kind yep. of, you know, positions itself like it's a discount airline. But I think I need them to kind of step up and really kind of claim that spot. Um, Delta's kind of changing some rules uh, and making their, their, their lounge access more exclusive. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say we got to go. I've been on six flights already this year. It's January 24th. I'm flying every week for the next five weeks, at least once per week. I have never been on a plane that has had even one empty seat. Have you? Yeah. No, I haven't. And, and, I, and I travel quite a bit. I'm actually getting on a plane in about three days. So that's, you know, that's definitely my life. It's busy. Business travel is back. Yeah, it is. And you you can see that in the rates and the hotel rates as well. And we'll find out if that is going to translate to earnings. I think Southwest might have its own thing going on. You know, I I know the problems hit right at the end of the year and the end of the quarter. But you wonder if that will have a little bit of a marginal effect as well. Tiffany McGee, uh, safe travels. Hopefully you're headed our way. We'll see you in person. You too. Tiffany, thanks for getting up early. Have a great. I'm glad you got a good night's sleep. That makes one of us. Tiffany, thank you. All right, folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. I will see you back here on Thursday morning. Have a great day wherever you are. Squawk Box is next.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 